Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roundup. Very happy to be joined today by my co-host and, dare I say, co-star, Sid. Sid, how are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing all right. It's an absolute pleasure joining you today. Adam, how's it going for yourself? Oh, great. Looking forward to it. I'm on a, a laundry list of streams this week. People usually just see me on Friday, but I'm very happy. This really is one of my favorite things throughout this week uh, because it's it's really an opportunity to sort of engage with stories live, cover a lot of materials, have conversations, always joined by someone incredible, whether it be you, Sheila, Alexa, Dre, whoever I hop on stream with. It's always Lots of fun, but more importantly, perhaps, is the fact that we get to interact with folks uh, through Rumble rants. If folks actually want to be able to engage with us, if you're on Rumble, you can chip in a couple bucks and we can really have a conversation. Sid and I will weigh in on it. That's probably one of my favorite things about these streams. Unlike the mainstream media who just interacts with their handlers at the government, we actually interact with the people that we're acting as journalists on behalf of. That is our job. And before we do some uh, journalism work, we want to go through the nuts and bolts of the day before we get into these stories. Um, if you're joining us, you're very likely joining us on Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, Getter. That's wonderful. We're so happy to have you with us wherever you're joining us, especially the government seems to be going out of their way. I know they love to blame Meta, but uh, to block your access. So if you're here, you're probably actively seeking us out or you came across us on X. So we really appreciate you taking time out of your day and deciding to be here, um, but move over to one of those platforms like Rumble that doesn't really censor free speech. We don't know how long we'll be able to stay on YouTube. We don't know what we're always allowed to say on YouTube. They're very censorious. Rumble, on the other hand, is not. So Rumble, you get to engage and we're not worried about censorship. Uh, you can also support us by joining us on locals.com. You'll get access to all of our usual content. But in addition to that, there'll be stuff you won't see anywhere else. So join us on locals.com. And with all of that said, I think we are ready to go um, quickly, very rapidly into our first stories. And that's exactly what Christia Freeland was doing, going very, very rapidly. And we'll talk about this, but this is someone who allegedly doesn't have a car. I don't know how she must have been peddling her heart out to be going. Now, I have seen some mixed reviews, uh, credit to the counter signal for originally reporting this story, despite like we see all the time mainstream media reporting it as their own after the fact. Um, but uh, uh, counter signal did uh, uh, run this story and then it was affirmed. And I've heard some sort of mixed comments on no, it was 137, no, it was 142. Regardless, for a person who doesn't drive, she was traveling very quickly down the highway. The big story here, in my opinion, and I'm being a little bit uh, tongue in cheek here, but for uh, liberals uh, would be that you actually lose at a certain speed some of the environmental and gas efficiency on a vehicle because of air resistance. So Christia Freeland not only broke the law, but far more seriously, she wasn't using the vehicle as efficiently as possible and therefore likely had an increased impact on the environment. That's the real story here, right, Sid? Well, do we know actually what the vehicle was? Was it electric? Was it hybrid? Was it gas? Do we know the, the specs on that vehicle? Uh, or was it an e-bike, uh, you know, especially juiced up for her? Uh, I just, I, I do think it's funny though. I mean, what do we hear uh, previously to this is the fact that she gets chauffeured around the country basically 24-7. And now we find out about, oh, she's actually driving. Oh, she's driving in Alberta. Oh, she's speeding. But where, yeah. where did this come from? Um, so I, I do find that a little interesting. Uh, I guess her, her lack of experience on the road is a bit telling when you look at her environmental policies. I don't know if it's in this exact article, though, but uh, it's interesting. The original contact, apparently, and I'm not this isn't verified. I've just read this, but to the RCMP indicated there was no tickets given at that time. And then her own people confirmed there was a ticket. They say her uh, 
A spokesperson says that she was going 132 while traveling between Grand Prairie uh, and Peace River. So regardless, though, I, I, you know what? I'm not I'm not judging anyone too harshly for speeding. It's it's just the fact that we just had this long speech about how people should ride bikes and take the take the bus. Christia Freeland in this other article was just busted um, for saying that she doesn't own a vehicle. Well, she clearly. She doesn't own a vehicle. She rents vehicles. She gets chauffeured around. She takes jets around. This is just perfectly on brand. It couldn't be more on brand for this liberal government. It's always, always, always say one thing, do another. How fitting is this? Is there like a certain poetic justice in Christine Freeland just days after this whole story about her saying she never drives cars? One, it's the most like sort of out of touch Lebrano. Like, well, I don't have a vehicle. I have chauffeurs. Um, so technically I don't own a car. That's the most, isn't that the most liberal story you've ever heard? Yeah. Yeah. No, to say the least, it keeps, they just keep going down this rabbit hole. And I, I don't know how many of them, uh, the MPs and stuff like that have, you know, alleged that they're using their bicycles to get to work, this and that. And, and oftentimes what do you see is a lot of these, you know, high politicians around the world, they'll, they'll stop their, uh, their convoy of, you know, gas guzzling vehicles a couple blocks away from the office. And then they'll, they'll get on the bicycle to finish the job, you know, for the publicity of it all. Um, it, it truly is a shame. Uh, but at the same, you know, at the same hand, uh, or at the same time, what can you come, what have we come to expect from our, our liberal, you know, politicians and bureaucrats that have taken over? It's, it's exactly this. So can I say I'm surprised? Not really, but it, it does yeah. show, you know, the more of the character of who these people are. Well, and it's just like the other thing, too, is, is it, it so strongly indicates that they don't really believe what they're pushing and they're doing it for whether it be personal gain or other reasons, whatever it is, that it's it's oh the coast is going to fall into the ocean. Then all their mansions are lining the coast. It's oh, we have to stop uh, emitting. Uh, we have to stop emissions. It's it's, it's going to kill us all. They're all on private jets incessantly. It's it's one thing after the other where what they say doesn't line up with what they preach. And you look at something like Davos or one of these various eco summits that you can see um, and it's just jets you can watch the maps of jets flying in if they really believe the stuff that they're saying if they're really so scared um, they wouldn't be concerned they wouldn't be doing that they would be acting in a completely different fashion but that's quite clearly not the case so uh, actions speak louder than words and, and it's interesting how many liberals seem to be quite conservative and free market and uh, for big vehicles with fast gas engines um, presumably, I, I, I suppose electric cars can go 140 so kilometers an hour, but uh, probably not for that long, probably not for a long stretch in northern, northern Alberta. Um, so yeah, more hypocrisy here. This next tweet absolutely killed me, though. This is so funny. I don't know if you had a chance to see this yet. Um, this is from Devin Drieschen, a UCP MLA for Innisfil and Sylvan Lake, also the Minister of Transportation and Economic Corridors. Now, I've had the opportunity to speak with Minister Drieschen um, and he's doing some really good work on uh, ensuring that, that pipelines can actually get through uh, development. So all the fighting we're doing over tidal access and uh, arguing with provinces, they're trying to make it so that there's massive hallways where they can put numerous resources and get our, our stuff out to market. So Devin Drieschen's doing some really good work. But sorry, this tweet is so funny. Um, and this was right as this story was breaking. <laughs> he just dropped. In Alberta, it doesn't matter who you are. Speed limits are for everybody. Um, and there's a there's a safety note. So clearly he's not quite tagging uh, the uh, Christia Freeland, but you know who this is directed at. I love this new Alberta brand of sort of like uh, irreverent Ralph Klein style politics. You're seeing it right across the um, and, and I think lots of 
concerned that it was weak. What's weak you? I kind of get the impression that this might stick this new... Oh, new Maverick attitude. Oh, jumping a little in and out there. I think you, what I heard you ending on the, the new Maverick attitude. Um, well, what I can say for the moment is uh, at least it is a, a bit of a fresh break from uh, the Trudeau regime, as, as we've been seeing. Uh, there are some good initiatives that are being had in Alberta to not only expand our energy, uh, the, the volume of our energy production, but also the diversity uh, of energy assets that we have. So it, it is a pro, but at the same time, there is that caution at hand where you go too far down that road of placating or or appeasing both sides while are you becoming the thing that you are trying to avoid. Um, I don't think that will become the case, hopefully, let's say. Um, and, and, you know, we do hope and look forward to a, a greater expansion of our energy industry here in Alberta, uh, especially now as it looks like Trudeau's time is coming to an end. It'll be nice to actually hopefully see some change. Uh, I mean, he still has, a, didn't he, or the federal government purchase a pipeline that's still not in use? I, I could be, you know, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, but they, they're not taking the right action. And, you know, you want to talk about the environment and energy. I see those as, you know, very interlaced subjects. Um, you know, they, they want to reduce the amount of oil and gas that's being produced, and they also want to take on environmental initiatives uh, for the same reasons. How many trees did they plant? Um, they, you know, had this big initiative that they're going to plant a bunch of trees, uh, you know, for the environment, millions of trees, or however many the number was. Um, and yet, at the end of the day, how many did they do? Like, what was it? Like, not even 1%. Uh, don't quote me here. We're going to uh, see if we can find that article. But it's, uh, it, it really is shameful. And it, it does tell you exactly where they're at. It's, they'll tell you they're, you know, doing this for the environment, this and that. And then you look at what actually came of the plans that they introduced or the actions they said they were going to take. What is it? It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's not even, uh, uh, it doesn't even hold their own standards. Well, I think, I think the amount was, two, they said they were going to have 2 billion trees planted, and then Trudeau was effectively yeah. like, never mind, we're not going to do that. It's, it's, they, they don't follow up or fulfill any of these promises. And it, it goes back to this conversation. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, because I did have the inter, a chance to interview the environment minister. But uh, there's, these, there's, there's these impossible commitments. Um, and, and 2035 is another one of those commitments. They can say the words, but they don't have a plan in place what soever to make the words reality. It's completely inconceivable. We're seeing even mainstream journalists, environmental critics saying, listen, you can't do this. In fact, even Stephen Gilbo, when he's dealing with, say, the Chinese council that he's advising on, says, oh, no, it's not really tenable. 2060 is a more practical deadline. But in Alberta, he's like, no, no, 2035. In Canada, they have this 2035 deadline. That's the type of thing that a Chinese government official would say to hamstring our economy and benefit theirs. So that's... Uh, that's wild, but that, that's the type of governance that we're seeing under this federal government, under Justin Trudeau. It's one standard for China and a much stricter standard, but there's never plans. There's never uh, a potential for this to come to fruition. It's all just vapid virtue signaling. Yeah. Well, no, and that's exactly it, right? Is you, they want to get that, that public attention, the public discourse going. They want to have the discussions at hand being what they're advocating for, um, but they, they don't actually take the action at the end of the day. That That's basically how it is every single time. Um, you know, I, I think there is going to be some change here uh, federally within, you know, a, a short amount of time, especially considering the way things are going with Trudeau. But in the interim, it's uh, it just keeps getting darker and darker. Quick oh, I think ad break. And we've got lots of stories to get to. Both Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyever have been very busy today. Um, and, and in the last few days, we've got some really good clips coming out of that. So we'll get to this one ad break and then we're going to go straight into that afterwards.
We're facing an imminent threat. A planned blackout of all news content in Canada is coming to Facebook and Instagram, threatening to silence rebel news and those who depend on us for the other side of the story. The cause? Well, Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, which demands social media companies pay news outlets for the news stories their users share on the platform. It's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. It seems the billions in taxpayer subsidies just aren't enough to keep the country's propagandists in business. But Meta, Facebook's parent company, has chosen to block Canadian news content rather than comply, Rebel News included. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. But fear not, we have had a plan to protect your access to our news content. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, PIA, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices. And unlike other VPN providers, PIA does not store any user data as it's automatically deleted from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information. Their servers are located in all 50 states, not the ones in communist China. You can visit PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews and enjoy an exclusive 83% discount and four months free. Use it to bypass regional restrictions and stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world. And stick it to Trudeau's new censorship law. Safeguard freedom of speech and join us to combat Trudeau's censorship today at PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews. No, don't I take don't that want advertisement some. lightly. Oh, sorry, yeah. I cut you off there, Adam. Um, oh, I just good. wanted to say, don't take that advertisement lightly. Uh, it really is dystopian what's going on right now with the censorship Trudeau is implementing. And especially, uh, I was looking at this the other day. It, it hasn't been implemented on my, uh, my desktop, but it's been implemented on my phone. And I go on my Instagram account and all of the stuff, because we do shared uh, stories with Rebel News so as a content creators, uh, all of them are, dis are they're gone. They've disappeared yeah. from the internet. They're no longer accessible. You go to Rebel News, even you go to all of the different news agencies out there that have Instagram accounts, they've all been taken away. That is the censorship that we're facing right now. Uh, and you think about that with the wildfires that's going on. There's crucial information that's not being shared because of the uh, Bill C-18, I believe, the, the censorship that Trudeau's implemented in big tech. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, I do strongly recommend you guys check out that VPN service. Use uh, the promo code that we've provided. Uh, it, it really is dark times. And, and uh, I'm still kind of blown away by how dystopian it is. Adam, what do you think? Oh, it's, it is. It's really surreal, honestly. And I know a bunch of like, uh, I know Sheila has been tagged. I'm tagged. I'll get a notification on like another Instagram account that I've got a chat. And then when I switch to the account, if I'm not on my VPN, it all disappears. My, my content is almost entirely empty. But then I turn on a VPN and it all reappears and I'm able to engage, share, repost. It, it's it is really surreal that this is happening. This is the type of thing you see in a, a communist country, a, a, a nation without fundamental freedoms. Um, and I, I know they're saying, oh, Meta is doing this. It's like, well, you create a habitat where Meta would be breaking the law if they didn't give you a bunch of money to share your content. And then you're, you're left in this situation. But I do want to say on PETA VPN, um, there, there's some stories of, out there about like 
the government's trying to seize assets and they immediately like they remove content immediately so that there's no records it's in and out other places will store stuff and then they can be subpoenaed and pull whatever it is and with this government it could be something as innocent as uh sharing the wrong opinion on social media or donating to a certain convoy um so uh, pia vpn and it's also so easy it's whether i have it on my computer i've got it on my phone so that i can do this work but i've had it prior to all of this as well um, and it's literally, there's like a giant power button once you install the app, you hit the power button and you're, you're, you're safe, protected, all of your interactions online. Uh, basically what happens is your information goes to their servers, it's then heavily encrypted and coded, and then they basically access the website for you. So the entire thing, it's almost like secure messaging where the conversation is effectively encoded, the data you're pulling. So there's no sort of uh, way for the government to access your details, which allows it to appear as though you're in any of those countries, wherever they've got places, and they've got servers everywhere. So other than uh, state places that won't allow uh, businesses like this to exist with China, parts of Russia, they used to have uh, uh, places in Russia, they do not anymore, but they exist in places where they do not have to hold stuff for the government. And it's so easy, you hit that power button, it doesn't matter if you're a tech guru, or you're a little uncomfortable sending emails, you can get this set up. So be sure to check that out and Sid, thanks for shooting that great ad, really appreciate it. Later on today, we're going to talk a little bit about mandatory social media training for someone else, Jordan Peterson. But now I'm going to talk about someone who I think maybe could uh, could could use some uh, mandatory training in her own right. Um, but the, Catherine McKenna has just been going off. She said anyone opposed to the carbon tax is an arsonist and the Kelowna fires. Like, that's a crazy thing for a person to say. Um, I think this person actually needs help, unless she's just trolling everybody. But I don't think that's the case. She tweeted, we need mandatory climate science lesson for conservative politicians and premiers. Sounds a bit like a mandatory re-education to me, as well as the cost of lives and livelihoods of Canadians from climate change and the economics of the clean transition. Otherwise, Canadians pay the price. It's absurd. But that's where we're at. Uh, politicians generally shouldn't say we need mandatory lessons and mandatory education for a certain political group. That's not really a great look. And if anyone here should be potentially taking some mandatory lessons, perhaps it should be uh, the liberal government on, say, economics, affordability, uh, free market, social principles, democratic values, any of those things they seem to have forgotten about. But how troubling is it for you, Sid, to see this mandatory climate science rhetoric from a former member of the Liberal government? Yeah, no, it, it, I, I find it incredible, even more so incredible than the other stuff we were just talking about with the censorship and with, you know, going well beyond the speed limit. It, it, how far down the rabbit hole can these people go? We need to mandate that you take my educational course because you don't believe me enough. So I'm going to force you to sit down and listen to me more. And, you know, this ties in very well with uh, that old uh, video clip of her. I forget when it was uh, put out there uh, where she's in some bar. She's probably a little tipsy or uh, drunk. Uh, and she made the claim, you know, if you just say it loud enough, you keep repeating it, that message will, you know, get through and you'll be able to basically uh, tell the people whatever you want to tell them or advocate whatever you want to advocate from a, a position of truth and power just by repeating the message and saying it loud and long enough. There it is. I don't know if we can get the audio on that clip. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and, and that, I don't know, I'm going to stop talking for a second to see if they play it with the audio. You know, I actually gave them some real advice. I said that if you actually say it louder, we've learned in the House of Commons, if you repeat it, if you say it louder, if that is your talking point, people will totally believe it. You know, I yeah. So <laughs> you laughing. hear that, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and you pair that with her saying we need a mandatory climate climate science lesson for conservative politicians and premiers. Well, well, what is she saying? She's saying that we need to mandate our propaganda because it's not true and they're not listening. That's yeah. the bottom line. This woman is is crazy, um, yeah, uh, or extremely evil. Um, and, yeah. and I think there's absolutely no way that she should be allowed back into Canadian politics. No, yeah, I, I think she's that 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 ship has sailed. But then, how far off is she from some of the other politicians and the things we're good? We're gonna have a bunch from Justin Trudeau soon, but th she's not that far off from where they are. Whether it be the Reddit rhetoric on COVID nineteen restrictions or this now, it's it's wild to see. Um, but yeah, it, it, the the wild thing here is that this appropriation. I find it more and more lately of the term science by the left is uh, whether when you look at it, issues like a, like whether it be abortion, gender whatever else it may be, you look at basically any issue within society, the, the scientific consensus for hundreds of years is absolutely opposed to, to what they're advocating for. Um, I, most, most people I know who, are, who would identify as conservative are very much for reducing pollution in practical terms for responsible stewardship. Many of them are hunters who study like animal population patterns and spend more time outdoors, not just taking Instagram pictures at Lake Louise, but actually outdoors with everybody. Um, conservatives are environmental in the traditional and practical sense. They like approaching things practically. Conser or liberals are, are, are environmental in the abstract can we tax you more sense? Never in the practical sense. Um, and that's what they want to push. And the reason that they insist on this mandatory education is because it isn't really evidence-based. It isn't really like, oh, that factory is directly put polluting into this river. We should probably uh, stop that because it's killing all the fish. Those types of things are practical, tangible actions. But what progressives and what liberals like is to be able to sign up to something. And this is true, whether it be LGBTQ stuff or environmental stuff or whatever the cause may be. Um, where they don't, and it's, it's similar with every child matters stuff. These people won't actually do anything to help any of those communities or to help the environment or to help ameliorate things for First Nations communities. Across the board, all they'll do is change a social media profile, update their status, let their friends know how much they care. But none of these things are action items. And it's bizarre. I don't know if they're diluted. I don't know if they're on board with this, but I think for lots of these people, they've actually committed themselves to, if they just convince other people this is true, that's their good deed. It doesn't matter if nothing comes of it. It doesn't matter if carbon taxes don't actually help the environment. As long as they can convince people to agree with them, then they've done a moral good in their minds. That's where they're at. And I, I, I don't know. It's hard to tell with Trudeau and Catherine McKinnon, people like this, if they've bought in and people are directing them, or if they're sort of in on the joke. I really can't tell anymore because they've jumped the shark so far, I can't imagine a person embarrassing themselves publicly so much on purpose. Well, I mean, does it matter? Their, their actions speak no. for themselves and they are elected you know, officials here in Canada. They make real change. They affect people's lives on a daily basis. Uh, and I, I know there is uh, uh, some good reporting coming out of, uh, what is it, PEI or the East Coast right now? Uh, and what is it? Uh, one of the ministers is just walking around with ice cream. I think it was the environment minister. Uh, and, and he was being asked, uh, you know, are you not concerned about the people that are dying in wildfires right now? And that, that's the state of affairs, right? They're going to go off and smoke their cigars and eat their ice cream, you know, away from all the busyness of the real world. Uh, and, and they're they're blatantly ignoring the people that are dying on the streets and, and being uh, uh, evicted from their homes or displaced from their homes, rather, uh, because of these wildfires and other situations that are actually happening. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it, it truly is a shame, and, and I, I'm not sure how long this is going to continue. I, I guarantee Trudeau's going to be out soon, because Canadians, they, yeah. they can't keep going. They can't keep uh, going on like this, and they won't. 
Well, the other thing that I find so interesting is there. It, I don't think it's going to be going for long, or at least it shouldn't. It's gone so far, and now, as we mentioned off the off the start of the stream, is there's a pushback, and it isn't just Alberta. It's Saskatchewan. It's all over the place. It's starting to spread. Manitoba, even some of the territories, uh, some of the coast is even saying the east coast is even saying no on whether it be gun grabs or other things. They're like, no, we're not participating in this. Um, it's absolutely incredible to see this continued pushback mounting and mounting um, on, on so many issues. Um, and, and I had a conversation actually the other day with the Alberta, Alberta Environment Minister, Environment uh, and Protected Areas Minister, technically, uh, Rebecca Schultz, and it was so refreshing uh, to see a, a sensible counterpoint to this. And you can actually talk about it. It's funny, you watch the video, most of what she says is very agreeable, but lots of this sort of pause on renewable energy that has been sort of very contentious, according to the NDP, it actually stems from environmental concerns. I'll remind folks that the same NDP who's incredibly mad that the government is giving oil companies money to clean up, that government is now pausing renewables so that they can have plans in place for reclamation of the lands that will be used for renewable energy products. Um, they're also coming up with plans to ensure that they can actually um, have a sufficient power supply. So you can have all the renewable energy coming in you don't have the battery technology and if you don't have that power when say the wind is down or solar is down well then you're going to have shortages you're going to have blink brownouts you've seen that in the united states you've seen california please don't charge your teslas even though we're transitioning um the alberta government is taking environmental consideration and consideration into account and rejecting this 2035 liberal net zero Deadline. What are you making of all the sort of pushback uh, from from the, Fed, from the provincial government here? We've had dozens of MLDs coming out uh, and saying that they will not enforce this at all. Yeah, it's long overdue and it's well needed. And you know, just to to go off on the extent of the madness here with the environmental actions they're taking, they got rid of what plastic bags and plastic straws, and they replaced them in plastic you know utensils for uh, eating when you're going out with uh, whatnot. Uh, they replaced them with what? Wooden forks and knives and spoons, paper straws and paper bags. Where do you get those things? Well, it's not the one billion trees that Trudeau was supposed to plant. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, sorry. It, 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 this doesn't make sense to me at this point. Uh, the environmental considerations they're making in every single regard. Um, and we've, we've talked about that previously, you know, the, the plastic straws and whatnot. So I won't dive too deep into that. Um, but it... it it truly is unbelievable. And you look at uh, Catherine McKenna there, and then now we have Gil Bow. Is he any better? <laughs> no, I, I don't think anybody effectively can say that. I mean, he even had environmental protesters protesting him, uh, uh, as he once did back in the day, you know, trying to climb the CN Tower and going off to the tar or the oil sands uh, to try and make a, a big stink about it. Um, it it's... It, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm left speechless more and more every day because it just keeps going on in the same direction. Um, but, you know, on that note, maybe we can just jump on to the next uh, story here. Oh, we got you back there, Adam. Yeah, I think so. Can you guys hear me okay now? Yeah, perfect. Uh, okay. I was just going to bring up uh, a recent clip of uh, Trudeau when he's asked about citizens concerned about uh, uh, citizens concerns about the rising price of uh, fuel due to his liberal carbon tax. You know, further down the rabbit hole, I don't know if we can pull up that clip here, uh, but it's just truly uh, incredible how they brush the everyday Canadian off. 
Morning, Prime Minister. Teresa Wright. I'm with the iPolitics today. Um, yesterday, Minister Wilkinson um, said he's willing to have conversations with Atlantic and Western premiers and provinces that have been raising concern about the financial impacts of the clean fuel regulations. Are you feeling pressure from Conservative premiers to make concessions on this program? Canadians know that our future requires us to both fight climate change and benefit from the opportunities and investments uh, that come with uh, world-leading climate policies, while at the same time, we're there to support families. That's what the price on pollution has done by both standing up against climate change and putting more money in the pockets of Canadians, including right across Atlantic Canada. Clean fuel standards are an important part of how we make sure that Canada not only responds to climate change, but leads on climate change. I think citizens right across the country, in every corner of the country, know that you cannot have a plan for the future of the economy if you don't have a plan to fight climate change. But as always, we will work collaboratively and respectfully with all orders of government. Canadians want us to be working together to solve the big challenges they're facing. And we'll always do that. The non-answer. Are you facing pressure from uh, premiers? And then he pauses. Canadians, no. Like, it, that's not the... He doesn't answer questions ever he just refuses to answer questions time and time again you know what that that non-answer is that's him saying yes that's him absolutely saying yes that's what i'm hearing from all the conservative premiers right across the board without exception i, I the thing that i mean polls polls are indicating that this guy is done i don't understand and this is the most concerning thing for me right now how so many canadians bought in and some still do buy into this guy over this course of time like I get, I get being tricked during the first election, being enamored by young new ideas, some people, some nostalgia for Pierre Elliott Trudeau, whatever it may be. But how are there still people out there that buy this non-answer nonsense? It's the fluffiest, most superficial, like reality TV nonsense that I've that I've ever seen in politics. Yeah, no, it's a shame. And, you know, when I hear that clip, it actually reminds me of the pandemic, right? It's you need to get the vaccine. You need everyone needs to get vaccinated so that the uh, restrictions can lift. The lockdown can end the very lockdowns and restrictions they themselves impose. Right. They they give you this you know little carrot. They say you got to eat the carrot. Otherwise, you know, this random stick that somebody else has is going to hit you when they're holding both of them. Um, and that's the same thing with this environmental stuff, right? You know, we want the uh, environment to be saved so that, you know, everybody is alive. Uh, we want to make sure the economy is boosted and that obviously ties into the uh, the environment. So you need to pay an environmental tax uh, to save the planet. It, it, it's this weird, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how they're able to sell it, but they do. Um, it, it's this sad cycle that they go through. It, it, you know, first it's too hot, then it's too cold. Uh, they keep going down the cycle. Um, I don't know, Adam, what, what, what do you make of the whole, the, the state of affairs in environmentalism with Canadian politics? Yeah, it's, it's, it's their, like, their, the horse that they're going to ride to right to the end, no matter what. Um, it, it, they, they're so married to this uh, agenda 
And it's so critical to their whole thing because frankly, the, the reality is, is under Stephen Harper, um, say what you will about Stephen Harper. I'm a social conservative. Stephen Harper wasn't. So anyone who's accusing me of being a, a fanboy of Stephen Harper, that's simply not the case. But even when the world was struggling, Canada was pretty sensibly balanced. Um, Stephen Harper managed to keep things pretty calm, cool, and collected. They had to create a hysteria in order to win because things were going relatively well. And one of the early hysterias, in addition to the Hitler's Harper rhetoric that was being pushed out there, which is wildly offensive, by the way, but in addition to that, climate change was one of their narratives. And the, the, they had to have people so afraid. This is textbook uh, crooked, small, corrupt country politicking, is you have people so afraid of some imagined enemy like Eurasia um, uh, 1984 style and climate change is the very much the the imagined foe that so many progressive governments say you have to submit to us. COVID took that role for a little while, but the big meadow on this whole time has been climate change. It's how they got in. It's how they have people afraid. They're pushing it in schools um, and they're pushing it right across the board. And the second that that narrative evaporates and the second the COVID narrative evaporates, this government is based on fear. Justin Trudeau operates despite his promises of sunny ways. Um, if by sunny ways, he means like some sort of Egyptian god, perhaps, but he rules with an absolute iron fist and he doesn't tolerate dissidents. And the, the core, the heart, the center of this liberal government from the onset has been fear. If they lose some of their weapons, climate change, COVID, whatever it may be, in their fear narrative, will they start to lose control? And that's what we're seeing with the polls right now. The fear is starting to fade. People are sick of it and people want change. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that. It, it really is only a matter of time now before he's out. Uh, and again, I, the last thing I touched on in a previous conversation of ours is the, the accountability. Is he going to be held accountable for all of the egregious things he's done during his time as prime minister? Or is he going to, you know, get replaced and everyone's going to forget about him and he's going to, you know, mosey on into some corner of the world and enjoy himself elsewhere without the repercussions of what he's done? Yeah, the latter. Uh, that's what happens, unfortunately, is in politics, you... Things that, like, I think I saw the other day, Yankee, I think, might have even posted it, that, like, the average president has, like, three felony charges or something against them. Um, politicians, uh, all of us would be in jail if we did what any high-level politician did, like, on, on a regular basis. It's That's just how it works. It's wrong. It's not right. It shouldn't happen. But I, for one, I, I think Justin Trudeau should be held accountable. I think he's done more than enough illegal stuff for there to be for anyone else on the planet, legal consequences. But I, I imagine he'll just go off and whether it be uh, to Europe or China or even just uh, in his Laurentian estate, um, I think he, I think he's going to get away with absolutely everything and there'll be no consequences whatsoever. The consequence he will pay, though, um, is, is likely not being reelected, um, which at this point, like... Does the guy still have an ego after everything he's been through? Probably somehow, but he shouldn't. He's it's it's just embarrassing that this guy's the leader of a country in the purportedly free world. And one of the things that sort of contributes to that in the biggest way is the fact, and we talked about this, whether it's politicians speeding or polluting or flying jets, um, it's it's the double speak, the empty rhetoric. He has been the guy for the middle class. That was one of his big things. The conservatives are for the rich. I'm the guy for the middle class. Let's jump to this Pierre Polyevre clip um, when he promised you an affordable home. Let's let's play this tweet now because it uh, it's the nail right on the head what Trudeau's all about. We need real change in affordable housing. The federal government is not only back in housing, 
but we're here to stay. We're moving forward with a national housing strategy. We made uh, housing a priority. The federal government uh, does have a role to play uh, in housing. And I'll be blunt as well. Housing isn't a primary federal responsibility. There you have it, folks. It, it's wild. It, like, you look at how bad, like, you look at the debt that Justin Trudeau has accrued, and it's like all prime ministers combined and then some. Um, you look at the cost of groceries. You look at the cost. If there was sort of a niche market where, say, oh, there's like a, a shortage, and therefore this one thing is really expensive. No. Under Justin Trudeau, inflation has been terrible. Costs have skyrocketed. People can't afford places. Homelessness has skyrocketed. And all of this from a government that profess to be for the little guys all along. It's sickening, Adam, really, to, to see what's happening. Just get rid of your Disney Plus subscription. Yeah. That's right. all you sorry. have to do, and you'll have Kids, enough money sorry. to get by. No, yeah, like, literally, that, that that's the solution Christian Freeland proposed, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, do we, how do we work with people like that? You know, how do you get, you know, an honest bargain out of somebody who's just so out of reality and she doesn't understand the daily needs of everyday Canadians? Yeah, it's wild. Um, we've got another video uh, uh, from Trudeau. Actually, we've got a couple videos from Trudeau and then a couple videos from uh, from uh, Polyevra as well. I haven't seen some of these yet because they're just kind of pulling them off live. But uh, let's let's look at this video, uh, Trudeau boasting how he's helped the middle class since being elected, despite what we just saw from Pierre Polyevra. Uh, Pierre Polyev is blaming you for pretty much every problem facing the country, whether that's crime. <laughs> Oh, big laugh from the gallery. That's great. Um, crime, inflation, a shortage of housing. And looking at the polls, I'm wondering if you think that message is sticking, if you think there's a large number of Canadians who blame you, not for trying to solve their problems, but making them worse. One thing we've heard right across the country is that Canadians are going through a tough time right now. Inflation has given them a big kick in the teeth over the past, past year and a half. After the extraordinarily difficult situation that COVID was. And now interest rates causing huge challenges on home buyers and homeowners. Uh, and people are really feeling it. No wonder um, people are feeling anxious and upset. The question, of course, as politicians remains, what do we do when people are upset how do we respond when people are fearful for their future, worried about their kids' prosperity, worried about their ability to pay their rent or buy groceries? What does leadership mean when people are hurting? Well, Mr. Polyev has decided, let's make them even angrier. Let's give them a scapegoat. Let's point fingers and lay blame because that's easy, and it is. It's not my approach. It hasn't been our approach as a government. Yeah. Certainly when Mr. Harper was bringing the country in the wrong direction. There you go. As a party. I haven't seen this. 2014, 2015. We made a commitment to solve the challenges the middle class was facing. The struggles people working hard to join the middle class were facing. We put forward solutions, rolled up our sleeves, and got to work. 
We've lifted a million people out of, uh, over a million people out of poverty, half a million kids out of poverty since 2015. We've created millions of new jobs. We've moved forward on reconciliation in ways that not only is lifting socioeconomic standards and ending boil water advisories across the country, but is creating economic activity and opportunity for the kinds of investments, whether it's lithium mines or small businesses that are creating opportunity for Canadians across the country, Indigenous Canadians across the country. We're continuing to show leadership on climate, where we're drawing in massive global investments, creating good jobs for future generations, reassuring folks like the third generation steel workers at the DeFasco plant in Hamilton, that there's going to be a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation of steel workers in Hamilton because of the investments we're making in electric arc transformation. Canadians are struggling. Canadians are worried. And they're seeing Please. two different approaches to leadership right now. One that mirrors back that anger and frustration and amplifies it and lays blame without offering solutions. Or one that recognizes, yeah, times are really tough for a whole lot of people right now. And we're gonna keep rolling up our sleeves and bringing forward the best possible solutions because Canadians can get through this. This is the best country in the world and we're gonna keep making it even better. Like, in, in he, the things he talks about there, he talks about interest rates set by the Bank of Canada being one of the big things that's, that's working people over. He talks about inflation, the primary driver of inflation being government spending and government printing money. So that's what the government is doing. And then he talks about how hard COVID, particularly COVID restrictions were on people. Those were things that he forced. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that. it, you know, and that, that's exactly what I wanted to, you know, bring up is this is all stuff he did. He's been the prime minister and all of this has gotten worse under him. And yet here he is. He doesn't want to take any accountability because it's inflation. That's the issue, not his actions, which lead to further inflation. Uh, he does this with every single thing. It, it It's sad, really. And, you know, maybe I can just ask uh, if we can pull up that video. I just want to, you know, show you guys the first couple of seconds again, uh, up until the, the point where the, the audience behind Trudeau laughs, not the audience, you know, what I'm talking about there. Uh, can we just pull up that clip one more time? And I want to address something. Okay, well, we might, yeah, there we go. Uh, Pierre Polyev is blaming you for pretty much every problem facing the country, whether that's crime. <laughs> ah, big laugh from the gallery. That's great. Um, Pause right there. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh from the audience. That's great. You know, and look at the attitude that these people have. Oh, look, the nation thinks that you guys are not maybe doing a good job. <laughs> How go? Oh, don't be don't be so silly. This is ridiculous. This is fear mongering. You know, what have they been doing over the last few years? Nothing. They've been destroying the country. They've been causing inflation. They've been causing suicides to go through the roof, especially because of the lockdowns. I mean, the food prices are going up. Housing prices are going up. Homelessness is at all time highs. I mean, you had more people during the pandemic dying of overdoses in many provinces than you did the actual pandemic. And yet here they are saying, oh, it's the Flu, that's the problem. Meanwhile, they themselves and their actions in government are causing to the deaths of real Canadians every single day. Um, it, it's such a shame and it's, it truly is disgusting to see them laughing like that at the question at hand.
uh, Adam, I don't know. Am I am I being you know too much with this, or is it is it you know as I said? No, it, it, the fa- it's the fact like they 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 vilified the truckers, they vilified the unvaccinated, yeah. they vilified they their their former colleagues are calling anyone opposed to the carbon tax arsonists. They said that uh, Pierre Polyev is dog whistling to the alt right. Like they they they're the same as the NDP with Danielle Smith here. It's permanent permanent attacks. Pierre Polyever will be like, well, I mean, look, the the you said you're gonna make things more affordable. The average rent price is doubled. Like most of what Pierre Polyever does, and most of what the critics do is point out how bad things are going. They aren't saying yeah. they aren't taking personal personal shots at Trudeau. They aren't doing personal attacks. They're just pointing this out. Um, there's another video here that I want to jump to, and it is uh, it's him being asked about disgruntled MPs in caucus and well, angry over. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, did you have one I was more thing say- before? Yeah, there's uh, the one clip maybe of the tents. Is that the one? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, the, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just before we show that clip. Uh, okay, well, maybe maybe we can just jump to that uh, clip uh, quickly just to reference in. Um, but, you know, you hear that speech from Trudeau and he's talking and you think everything's fine and dandy, sunny days. Uh, you show this next clip, you're going to see what Canada actually looks like. Yeah, the Polyev clip, that one? Of the, yeah. uh, the ten cities. You're going to hear about what it's yeah, actually yeah. like. Sorry, we're just we're just pulling that up. We were lining up for another one, but uh, oh. there's been a bit of a back and forth today. It feels like election times are upon us here with the Trudeau and Polly ever sort of barking back and forth. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's something. I know we were just cutting this. I believe this clip is from just this morning, so they were just getting it uh, ready behind the scenes. Here we go. We can run that now. Yeah, hear what it's really like. And that minister says that um, you're making people angry. Do Canadians need? help making people angry? Justin Trudeau is worried that people are angry. You know what I worry about? I worry about the nurse living in her van after eight years of Trudeau. I worry about the tent cities that never existed before he was prime minister, but now we see every single city in Canada. I worry about the 30,000 families that have lost loved ones to drug overdoses because of the hopeless economy and situation in which they find themselves. You know what I found, interestingly? I hold these rallies, and I invite every single person at every single rally to come and shake my hand. People aren't angry. They are hurting, and they are desperate for someone who gives them hope. And for so many millions of people, I am humbled by the fact that I am that person. I am the only one giving them hope that things can get better. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, we won't even play that other Trudeau clip. I'm sick of hearing from, from uh, Trudeau today. Um, what we will do now, though, I think uh, Pierre Polyev has hit the nail on the head. This Canada is not the country that I grew up in. It's not the Canada of even 10 years ago. The one factor that has shifted is is the, the other countries around the world haven't changed all that much. The major contributing factor here is this current government. They don't care about common sense. They don't care about practicality. They don't care about your average Joe, your working class person. They only care about the, their ideologies and they care about it uh, at, at no expense. They will spare no expense to push their ideologies. That's what this government is all about. When we come back from the ad break, there is another uh, Pierre Polyever clip that I think will transition nicely into what we're going to talk about next. But we're way overdue for an ad break. So we'll do a quick ad break and then we'll come back and chat about that. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? 
you're not alone. The Wellness Company's Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. It contains natokinase, dandelion root, and Irish sea moss for people to help them feel like their old self again. So if that's you or someone you love, head to twccanada.health and use coupon code REBEL to save 10% when you do. That's twccanada.health. Look, if you're tired of supporting companies that eagerly rejected unjabbed consumers like modern day lepers, why not buy supplements that were created by an ethical team of doctors from an ethical company? Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. Have you seen our new documentary, Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity yet? Well, if you haven't, you have not missed your chance. The documentary details the trials and persecutions of the pastors and congregations who stood up to the lockdowns when COVID restrictions came to their churches. We have taken the documentary across the country to bring it to the people who lived the stories we tell inside of it but we're not done yet. We've just added new showings in Alberta. To get details and showtimes, please go to churchunderfiremovie.com, but I'll give you a few right now. We've got a showing in Lethbridge on August 23rd, one in Red Deer on August 24th, Edmonton, August 25th, Mirror, Alberta, that's Drive-In Movie, August 26th, and Westlock, Alberta, August 27th. If you are someone, or you know someone interested in hosting a rebel screening of Church Under Fire, you can contact us. The information is at that same website, churchunderfiremovie.com. Now we've been selling out screenings. I've got my Church Under Fire shirt on right now, as a matter of fact. Um, we've been selling out screenings right across the country. If you haven't seen this movie yet, go check it out. I think even some of these Alberta dates have already started to sell out, but I know some of the later dates, there are still uh, quite a few seats open. We want these to be absolutely packed houses. So if you live anywhere in Alberta, there's going to be a screening within within driving distance of you. So go to churchunderfiremovie.com. Get your tickets today. If you've already seen it, maybe you have a friend or family member you think would enjoy it and hasn't had a chance to see it yet, consider grabbing tickets for them. There's always a couple rebels, whether it's Sheila, myself, whoever it may be, uh, Kean Smoney, the uh, guy who really put this movie together, on location, answering questions, engaging with you as well. So it isn't just the screening. Uh, a great opportunity to check out that film we've got a little bit of time left here in stream and a lot to get to so we're going to start flying through some stories let's play the next clip of uh from pierre polyever that we have cut uh in relation to the sort of gender policy that they may discuss and that'll transition us into our next couple of stories very nicely i think will a conservative government prohibit gender affirming health care uh as a, a policy submission suggests um in your upcoming convention uh, we, I haven't had a chance to study all the proposals at our convention, but uh, we'll take a careful look at every uh, proposal and uh, decide whether or not it lines up with our platform. 
So in a completely sensible and practical uh, way, obviously parents are concerned about this sort of gender push, the, the young children being transitioned, changing their, their nomenclature in class without parents being informed. Uh, in a push uh, of sanity from a Western province, Saskatchewan this time, uh, Scott Moe and uh, some of his uh, ministers took uh, to the internet, to the public square and to their uh, offices of government uh, to say that parents must be included uh, on decisions involving their children. Education Minister Dustin Duncan today announced that all Saskatchewan schools will have a consistent policy on parental inclusion and consent. This policy in the announcement effectively went on uh, and they, they said, listen, you, ne you need parental consent to go on a field trip, much less changing your child's gender. Parents need to become involved. Now, this was news um, that, that's already been around uh, at least since yesterday. But what is incredibly interesting and what needs to be discussed here is this response from the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation. Um, they say that new parental inclusion consent policies are dangerous and a threat to the safety and well-being of students. The Federation is calling on the government to reverse this policy decision and engage in meaningful consultation with its sector partners and expert teachers. This is the problem. We've been listening to experts who've been trying to transition kids and brainwash kids and rejecting science and rejecting gender and not listening to parents. We finally have governments, Saskatchewan, and I hope something like this comes in Alberta, that are actually listening to parents about what they want for their kids. Any government that suggests that teachers should have a more intimate relationship with students than the students' own parents are the problem here. I mean, t teachers federations, teachers unions, they're as progressive as it gets. But for them to immediately jump out and say, no, 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 parents shouldn't know. The teachers should be the ones having these intimate gender-based relationships with their students. That is absolutely troubling to me. And, and the fact they were ready for it, they knew this was coming and there was no hesitation. Like, well, maybe parents should be kept in the loop with their children. That, that's, this, is, this is so ideologically inclined and it has nothing to do with the well-being of children. Yeah, no, it, it's downright dangerous as well. I mean, it, it, you're trying to separate parents from their children in any regard. Uh, I think your actions are disingenuous, to say the least. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, sure, there's, you know, the rare case scenario where, you know, a parent may be unstable. But the that's how these unions and these educational boards are treating parents. They're treating every single parent out there like all of them are mentally unstable. That they themselves, the education board, whoever it may be, they have the secret keys of knowledge. They know how to take care of your children better than you do. That's why we're going to, you know, have some scantily clad man, you know, doing the sexual dance in front of your children. Uh, and we're going to ask them, you know, what's your gender? You know, we're going to make up words for them to adhere to. You're going to be like, oh, you're Z now. Okay, yes, good. We're going to keep that in the book. And from now on, we're going to call you Z. We're going to influence your, your developing mind to create something that is not. I mean, how many children have to be mutilated in Canada before this comes to a full stop? It's, uh, it, it's truly a shame. And, and to, to attempt even to, to take away that right of a parent. I mean, I understand that we had one guy in British Columbia uh, who was jailed for, or I, I believe, speaking against uh, or jailed for uh, breaching a publication ban, I believe, in speaking against the transition of his child or something like that. It It's come too far. And, and parents, I mean, parents are stepping up now. We're seeing more action by parents and parent groups uh, uh, to stop this sort of stuff. And it's good that we're seeing this, you know, these head waves or these waves from Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. But it's uh, the fact that it's come this far. It, we are truly in dangerous waters. Uh, and yeah. these these 
educational boards or these specific individuals who might try and implement this stuff across Canada? Uh, I mean, how is this anything other than grooming? You're trying to take away access. Uh, these You're trying to take children away from their parents. Call it what it is. Yeah. Well, and that's that's exactly the concern. And the fact is, like, it's the courts, the education systems, the teachers unions, the universities across the board. Very often folks who don't have kids are, are yeah. going out of their way in such unanimity to strip parental rights away from parents. And, and it's going to backfire. The one thing you cannot do is get between parents and their kids because very moderate people become extremely, who are like not at all interested in politics, become extremely politically active and they'll defeat, they'll replace local councils. They'll, de they'll, they'll get into politics and run in politics. We've seen it time and time again, concerned mothers and fathers just becoming politically active and taking significant action. The second you cross those kids, you've crossed a line. You're dead on, yeah. though. I think you pointed it right on. There there already are laws in place. If you're abusive to your child or you're negligent or you're hateful because of their identification, whatever that may be, there are laws in place to deal with that. There are protections for children. Pretending that these policies to push ideology in school have anything to do with protecting kids, it's not the case. The laws already exist for that. Um, in the interest of time, we could talk about this all day, but in the interest of time, I want to get to this next story um, I am a Catholic. Um, folks probably know that by now. Throughout COVID-19, the Catholic Church was very quiet. That was disappointing. Um, and on the residential schools, I must say the Pope was here. They apologized, all that sort of stuff. But there wasn't really much of a desire to get after the truth. It was very sort of grovelly and bend the knee. Um, it wasn't uh, what can we do to make things better in a practical sense. It wasn't uh, what's the truth of what's unfolding here. Um, but Calgary's former Bishop, Bishop Frederick Henry, a man who um, many folks uh, look up to and appreciated for his time as a bishop, he was not shy. He was strong and outspoken on GSAs. Um, he's even within churches. He, he had a whole thing where gambling isn't necessarily permissible, so he stopped church groups from doing casino fundraisers. And he's a man of principles who sometimes ruffle feathers. Um, but this, this perhaps is the most roughly uh, thing he's done. It shouldn't be, though. This is about as common sense as you can expect. But I'll read what he asked. And he, he's very, he's in his uh, later days, certainly now he's retired. Um, but he said, why is the Catholic Church not asking the federal government for proof that even one residential child is actually missing in the sense that his or her parents didn't know what happened to their child at the time of the child's death? He demanded emails to the Toronto's Catholic Register. That is the most sensible question that could possibly be asked, especially because with the Kamloops School, we did the extensive report on the location where they say there are 250 children that have been buried precisely at three feet, which happens to be the depth of an irrigation trench in that exact area that could show on GPR as coffin toppings. So we did an extensive report on that. So other locations, for example, in Manitoba, they have actually dug and found that it literally was just rock there using the same technology. So finally, a Catholic leader retired as a Catholic bishop saying, we need, is anyone missing? Are we actually looking for 215 children? And the fact is, they're suggesting that there are very good records, that there aren't in fact children missing. Now, there can be graveyards and cemeteries that are lost. I think they recently found in a community here in Alberta, for the cemetery, those types of things. But for the bishop to say, are we actually looking? Is anybody 
you found it. What? Wait, here. Well, you're maybe. Yeah, I know maybe, uh, I'm just going to cut you off there, Adam. I apologize. It's a little difficult to uh, to hear through the microphone there. Um, but yeah, how many how many times can a boy cry wolf? Right. I mean, they they use this uh, extensively. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, Trudeau. A lot of these politicians they stood on this hill, uh, you know, advocating for these needs and you know uh, truth and really reconciliation. When realistically, they were saying, "This is my truth, and you're going to reconcile my feelings." Uh, and now we're getting people asking questions. We're finding out. A little bit more about these situations that were alleged previously, and it's not the pa the, the the paint or it's not the picture they were painting. Um, so it, it's really sad to see them misusing causes, uh, uh, especially you know that of dead children, uh, basically to make political stances. Um, but you know, like you say with this question here, you know, maybe there will be some more information that comes in the future. Hopefully, probably not. Unfortunately, um, I do think Adam, you're still uh, disappeared. Uh, oh no! There you oh, are. You're I don't back. Know if you can hear me. I have no. I really apologize, folks out there. Um, I've been I've been cycling through two or three mics. I don't know if it's a connection issue or what's going on, but I've swapped out a couple mics, so I don't know. I don't think it's a hardware thing, but uh, yeah, I do apologize for that, everyone out there. I assure you, by Friday, I'm going to have a new mic and a new camera, and everything will be uh, sorted, so this does not happen again. Good to see, though. I hope you can hear me. That a, a Catholic leader is taking a stance asking some real practical questions because so much of the heart of christianity should be a pursuit of truth and if we're not willing to look at the truth truth and reconciliation cannot occur the bishop did say that there that make no mistake about it there there was attempts to erase culture and there was a lot of problems connected with the residential school system so he's not he's not excusing the entire thing but he's saying wait a minute are we actually looking for anybody here seems not to be the case um we talked a little bit earlier off at the top of the stream about how Catherine McKenna uh, could probably use some social media training. Um, but now, and this is just surreal. We're in Canada, like mandatory social media training. What is going on? An Ontario court has ruled against Jordan Peterson and order, and upheld a social media training order. Um, last November, Peterson, who was also an author and media commentator, was ordered by the College of Psychologists of Ontario to undergo a coaching program on professionalism and public statements. This seems uh, fundamentally un-Canadian, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I think any mandated, you know, training classes or lessons like that, especially if they're coming from any kind of body associated with or, in fact, government itself, uh, should not be allowed, bottom line, period. Uh, I just think that the, the powers and enforcement and the financial availability the government has needs to be reduced in any way, shape or form. Uh, them adding more, you know, guidelines, especially stuff like this, uh, 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 what does it say there? Uh, oh, uh, it, was just, it disappeared on me there. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Peterson sees himself uh, functioning as a clinical psychologist, quote, in the board a uh, public space where he claims to be helping millions of people. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's speaking to a, a, a multitude of people out there. Millions and millions of people have heard his voice and heard what he had to say, and their lives have been changed for the better. And yet here they are trying to manipulate that speech for their own gain. Um, it, it, it's a shame, and that's what we're seeing coming out of talking heads like uh, Catherine McKenna here. Uh, you know, hopefully she will never be back in uh, Canadian politics or at least have uh, anybody vote for her, which, you know, hopefully won't be the case. But Adam, uh, I, I should mention, I think we're, you know, running short on time here. Should we get through some of these comments? I think we had a couple that came in. Yeah, I just want to confirm that we did indeed get everything cleared off um, from our headlines so we don't get in trouble and miss any of those. Um, yeah, I think we got through the core of them. Yeah, let's get through some of these chats. We did have some great interaction today. So very happy to have some folks 
uh, weighing in. First $5 from Funis. Uh, FEMA officials are staying at a $1,000 a night luxury hotel in Maui, while entire families that were burnt out are getting a total of $700. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Ableist uh, SL, $5. Should Canada have an autobahn? Uh, also concerning that P. Polyever is going to be a uh, globalist shill, but do you think the PPC should skip an election to give the CPC enough rope to hang themselves with? Good question there. I don't know if... Uh, it's interesting, the PPC, well, like they've... Go ahead, sorry. Thoughts? No, 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 after you, please. No, well, it's it's very interesting because the PPC, they're, 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 as far as a percentage of the vote, they're significant. As far as capacity to actually win any seats, they just don't seem to be able to get anything done so it's it's a question there like is there do you hope to change the cpc and have them actually be better um does the cpc like you said get enough rope and hang themselves and the CPC eventually takes over lots of questions there about the future for the ppc i know there's a writing here and they had very uh in a by-election and they had a very low even even in calgary conservative calgary i think they had two percent of the vote so very low vote turnout i don't know if you have any thoughts on that sid well, I just want to say uh, I think it would be very nice if we did have uh, some kind of an auto bond from uh, coast to coast. Uh, I think that would be a very valuable asset. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of red tape and bureaucratic barriers that would come along with. However, at the end of the day, I think that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. I've been on uh, well, Autobahn being a road manufacturing company, um, I've been on autobahns in Germany and. Uh, and in uh, Brazil as well, they've got an autobahn there, and it's not fully wide open, but it's it's pretty darn close. There's like tiers for lanes and all that good stuff. So yeah, they we're the, the second largest country on the planet. Yeah, yeah, we we it's have long long roads. It takes days <laughs> to get across the country. It'd be nice if we could you know hurry that up a little bit. Uh, I'm sure our truckers would appreciate that as well. Yeah, it, it would be a lot. You know, they are making progress. Some of the lanes opening up, but some of the areas you're on the longest stretch and it's flat and it's like 90 or 100. It's like, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, well, and we can just use the Christian Freeland model and drive whatever speed we want anyways. So Christian Freeland does have an Autobahn uh, here. Sticking to her roots. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, $5 from Fraser McBurney. The first I heard of climate change was when I was living in Calgary in 1973. It started with global cooling, then global warming, then to climate change. Remember, climate is always changing. That's true. And it's interesting. I think George Bush Sr. was one of the first people to have it as like an official campaign point, the language of uh, global warming. So that's uh, an interesting little tidbit for folks out there. And I think that is all we have for our chats uh you know said it was great joining uh you for stream today any final words for the folks out there before we sign out no take care i hope everything goes well with everybody out there you know and may uh you know may god bless you all awesome and thank you so much Sid, for joining me today for the folks in the studio for making the stream possible again folks out there i do apologize right after this i'm going to be tackling this microphone issue it, it's happened once before and it went away it seemed to be resolved it won't happen again. My sincerest apologies. I want to thank everyone in the studio for making this possible. Everyone at home for tuning in. We couldn't do it without you. Great to have those chats. Looking forward to more next time. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow and I will see you on Friday myself for stream. Thanks again so much for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Adam Sos.
Uh, there have been reports about grumblings um, in your caucus. MPs have said that they're hearing from voters that they're that they're angry and frustrated, and the voters are saying that you're virtue signaling and not actually acting. Are you losing support of your caucus, and, and what are you going to do to calm those concerns? Uh, as we've been out across the country, members of the Liberal Party, cabinet ministers, MPs, we've heard from Canadians who are facing difficult times, but also Canadians who know that the cutting in half of childcare fees over the past year has made a huge difference in their lives. That securing jobs for their communities with global investments like Volkswagen and St. Thomas, investments in Bicancourt, uh, more uh, auto plants, more uh, investments out west is creating positive stability for the years to come. Yeah, people are facing tough times. And yes, everyone uh, is uh, finding it difficult right now. And as leaders, MPs, parliamentarians of all types, our part of our job is to be there, to take it, to support it, as Canadians are worried and anxious and put out those solutions. So yeah. It's not an easy time to be a politician. This is a time where politics is, is divided and toxic in so many ways. But it is so important that we continue to be there, to be positive and hopeful. I'm really looking forward to uh, sitting down with all our great MPs in a few weeks in London, Ontario, to talk about all the work we're going to do together to continue to put forward a positive, ambitious vision for this country that solves the challenges that Canadians are facing. Builds solutions around housing, around supporting young people, around climate change, around reconciliation, around building an economy that works for all Canadians. These are the things that we're all focused on together. This is what I'm excited about.